0: This is Gabriel Menchaca. I'm super excited to continue in this Surrender, Surround, Stir, and Share series. So last week we went over surrender, and uh, in our small group that we just had, we actually went over the idea of what it means to surrender for both the new believer, meaning someone who, if you, you have just come to Christ, come to know salvation through Jesus, uh, what does that look like? What does that surrender? And then also for those who have been in church for years, Uh, We went over what that surrender looks like because this cycle, this practice is something that we can do over and over again. Uh, You know, As soon as we we get to that place of sharing and and the gifting and and sharing the gospel through whatever gifting or whatever uh, method there is, we get to that place again of surrendering whatever it is. It may have been super successful and it may have failed, but we can look at everything we've done and surrender it to the Lord to get back to that place of saying, all I want is you, Jesus. So our next step in understanding this is surrender, surround, stir, share. So the surround part is what we're going to be talking about today. Surround is a very simple understanding that comes from Psalm 1, 1 through 4. And it says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law or instruction of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. So I want to first examine the scripture itself. It says, uh, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. So we can understand that there's this this idea of walking in the counsel of the wicked, meaning that there are people who are not Christ-centered speaking into you. And and the scripture points to us, that's that's not a blessed thing. It said, blessed in the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Meaning that you're not surrounded by these voices that are speaking into your life. And so that that are negative. You know, we the Christ-centered voice points you to Christ. Anything else points you that points you away from Him, we would consider that to be wicked. So, nor stands in the way of sinners. So meaning like it's put yourself in the, the the most crime-filled sinful place you could think of. And and that's kind of the idea here that stands in the way of sinners, meaning like you're you're surrounded by by ugliness, you're surrounded by sin. Nor sits in the seat of scoffers. So this idea is that you what you're surrounded by, the scripture points to us that When you stay away from these things, when you recognize that these things are not good, this is a good thing. And then it says, but his delight is in the law or instruction of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. So this is surrounding yourself with scripture, with the law or instruction of the Lord. So what does God say to you? For you, about you, about those around you, about how to conduct yourself. So surrender, surround, stir, share. Surround yourself with biblical truths. That's the easiest way to grasp what we're talking about in this video. Surround yourself with biblical truths. And so surround yourself with the gospel. That's the number one truth you can surround yourself with that comes from the Bible. What is the gospel? What does it mean to be saved? What does it mean to be a sinner? What does it mean to have Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life? And the reality is that most Christians uh, that have been in church for years could not even articulate or explain that because it's become something of a habit, tradition, or practice, or ritual just to attend service. And so the idea here is when you surround yourself with biblical truths and you surround yourself with the gospel. This is grasping and obtaining understanding of what you believe and what you stand on in your faith. So surround yourself with the gospel. Uh, Another thing would be surround yourself with mature believers. One of the biggest helps that that I have seen and recognized in my life is being around those who are further than me, meaning they have a more in-depth understanding. And I'm not talking about just schooling or uh, the academic approach of of knowledge-based books and and all these things of understanding. I'm not simply saying that the more educated person, I'm talking about the mature believer, the one who has seen uh, hurt, pain, the one who has gone through maybe some ugly stuff in their family, maybe some hurtful things that was done to them or, or they were even part of. Uh, these people who uh, begin to understand what scripture teaches and they readjusted everything in their life to say, I'm going to follow Christ and I'm going to submit to Christ and I'm going to surrender all these things to him. And, and that's the mature believer and we can get around them in different scenarios. There are those who are very highly educated, and I encourage you, get around those who have an education, uh, uh, seminary students, uh, uh, people with theology degrees. This is not this is a good thing. This is not a bad thing. It's a good thing to get around people who have the education. It's also a very good thing to get around those who have the experience. We know that there's the theoretical and the applicable, and sometimes a lot of the, the basis of information comes from the theoretical, which is still very healthy, to understand what is the, the the teaching of this, what is the philosophy behind uh, the Christian lifestyle and all these things. We can understand all that, but we know that the application of scripture into life is very important as well. You don't just teach about it and you don't just learn, you apply it. That's very important, applying the Bible, surrounding yourself with mature believers. Be Christ-centered in your consumption. That's a big thing. Be Christ-centered in your consumption. If you're someone who has been in church and you you want to keep uh, going with these steps, like you you want to take this into a place that it's, it's a big one, surround yourself with people that love Jesus. That's that's a good movement forward. It's a good place to look at your life, surrounding yourself with people who love Jesus. Uh, let's first talk to the church person, the person that has been in church for multiple years, maybe grown up in church. I myself have grown up in church. Uh, my father was a pastor. Uh, you know, My my parents uh, planted churches, uh, were missionaries, and still are missionaries and pastors. I've grown up in and around ministry. So I'm speaking to those who have a very similar background of being in and around ministry. We can make church about different things so it can become political It can become about all the politics. We can even begin to play the politics game, uh, first hating it and then becoming wrapped up in it. And then uh, the reality, we can be uh, tied up in our personal ambitions, our idea of what we think we need to be in ministry. Uh, It can become a point of anxiety or stress. Uh, I've known people who have uh, driven up to the church and as soon as they got into front of the the church building or meeting location or or place where they gather, uh, it was just Anxiety and stress just overwhelm them and uh, the, the stress or pressure to perform or do something in particular. These things can become what drives us in church and in this gathering of, of other believers. And what we know is this, when we surround ourselves with people who love Jesus, our bottom lines and our deadlines and all the things that we have to get done, they seem to fade away because Jesus matters more than everything. So, and and this is why we surrender these things and we surround ourselves with people that love Jesus. I was able to be around people uh, in, in different scenarios, in different cultures, that really all they had was Jesus. They didn't know about uh, events or they didn't have these uh, uh, growth strategies. They didn't go to conferences to help make their conferences better. They were literally just, it was them uh, praying together, reading the Bible together and encouraging one another because they had nothing else. And so seeing that challenged my, my understanding of what my Christian walk is. Because again, like I said, we can make our, our Christian life and church and all these things about many different things. And I'm speaking to the church person here, the, the one that's been in church for years. And so I, I would say this. There was one morning when I was in prayer, and uh, it was uh, we were doing morning prayer on Fridays before people went to work, and in that morning I was alone, and uh, I remember just I was praying and I was looking around the the meeting place that where we were gathering. This was in Tallinn, Estonia, and we I was in the church. and It was cold, but um, you know I loved those morning prayer meetings, and and I remember looking around the church thinking like you know, like, is this good enough for God? Like, is this, is this okay? I really started to pray like, Lord, is this okay? Like, do you want, like, is this okay? Do you like this? Do you want this? Is this like acceptable? And I remember uh, just the Holy Spirit's ministering to my heart, speaking to me almost like it was very clear. All like the response was this, all I want is you. And it silenced every other thought Every other uh, plan I had, it was like, all I want is you. And, and to encourage you today, to the church person, um, remember this, all God wants is you. Uh, to the new believer who just surrendered your, your life to God, you said, you know what, I've lived this way, I've done things my way, I've done things this way, and it's failed me over and over again, and I'm going to surrender my life to God. Let me make this very clear for you. All he wants is you. God wants you. Like all the accomplishments and all the great things that we've done, awesome. I awesome. Good job. But God just wants you. He wants time with you. He wants you to lift him up, to to praise him, to give him glory in everything you do. And the Bible teaches us in Isaiah 43, 21, it says this, the people whom I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. God made us to declare his praise. And when we surround ourselves with the things of God, we begin to understand why he is worthy of praise. So if we brought a cricket star into downtown Los Angeles, most people would not recognize them because uh, cricket is not a very big deal in Los Angeles. Now this is what happens when we surrender our lives to God and we come to, into relationship with Him. Uh, we begin to learn who He is. And it's just like if, if there was a very famous uh, uh, Los Angeles Laker that uh, was in downtown Los Angeles everybody would know who they are because the context of who they are, they've surround, they're surrounded by that, that team, they're surrounded. You would just know who they are just by proximity of, of somebody next to you. And so this is the idea, surrounding yourself with the things of God. Now remember, when we, when we give our lives to God, we're coming from a context of sin. We have been surrounded by sin. Our lives have been led by sin. We're familiar with sinful things. We know sinful things. And to come to know God is to come to give him praise and give him glory. So the thing is, when we come into relationship, we are surrounding ourselves with who God is. Biblical truths that teach us who we are who God says we are. And this is when we begin to surround ourselves and we begin to become familiar with who God is. And so when we are filled and surrounded with our sin, we don't know God. When we are filled and surrounded with our sin, we do not know God. When we surround ourselves with the things of God, we begin to understand how great He is. So, God, the creator of the universe, loves you and created you. That's an amazing thing. He knows you. Uh, uh, Luke 12, 4-7 says this, I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body, and after that, having nothing more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, and not one of them is forgotten before God? why even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are of more value than many sparrows. God knows us, loves us, values us. Luke talks about the sparrows, how you you can see that they have life, they live, but, but how much... God looks at us. He knows the numbers of of hair on our head. And so that's just an amazing thing that when we went over this idea of surrender, we learned that the Bible teaches that we are sinners. Uh, But this is a biblical truth that we must surround ourselves with, that God loves us and he knows us. When we went into the surrender part of the series, uh, we learned that the Bible teaches that we are sinners. And this is a biblical truth. This is something that we learn about ourselves. We are guilty, we are sinners. We are those that, that function outside of the law of God. And so understanding that we begin to surround ourselves with this biblical truth, I'm a sinner. What's the other biblical truth? There is a savior. So I'm in need of a savior. I'm a sinner in need of a savior. So I surround myself with that biblical truth. And surrounding ourselves with the things of God is not just the spiritual enlightenment. It's, it's not just you know, this thought of like, oh, this will help me have more faith. It's, it's also the practical and applicable uh, way of walking as a Christian, pursuing relationship with Christ. There's a, there's a famous saying, uh, what would Jesus do? Now, it's a very practical way to see this. Uh, how can we know what Jesus would do if we never learn about him. We have to learn who Jesus is. Some good questions to surround yourself with in thought, and you can maybe go further with this, talk with somebody else, uh, email us, uh, message me. Uh, We'll be having small groups. You can connect with us. One of the questions would be, did Jesus get mad? You study who Jesus was. You study what he did. Did Jesus get mad? Um, What did he do when he got mad? Uh, uh, did Jesus address racism? Did Jesus talk about issues we're afraid to talk about? How did Jesus handle betrayal? These are all questions that these are real world things. Uh, you and I, we go through relationships, and betrayal happens. We we betray. We've been betrayed. You know, these issues of, of racism, these real issues that we can look at the Bible. What did Jesus do? How did he react? How did he respond? What did he say? And some of these are starter questions that can lead you to greater discussion. But I, I throw those out to say surround yourself get around scripture. Get around mature believers. Talk with other Christians. Talk with other Christians in different churches. Learn about what the different perspectives are. Let the word of God dictate how you begin to form your new life. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you, convict you, challenge you, change the thinking. And so uh, Jesus is not some random dude in the desert inviting you to come be on a ranch with him. Let me make that very clear. Jesus is not like some dude saying, hey, come live on the ranch with me. Uh, We know this uh, as revealed in scripture. uh, He He is with God right now, but will return in person to rule and reign as king over all the earth. So our first step is to surrender. Our second step is to surround ourselves with biblical truths. And I'll leave you with this thought. What surrounds you right now? What are you surrounded with? That's, that's a question for you just to think about. If you're a brand new Christian, you've never been to church, you never read your Bible, uh, you start with these areas. Jesus emphasized a few things for us. And one of the biggest ones that I can leave you with that will help you to understand Uh, John 13 34 through 35 says a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you You also are to love one another by this all people will know that you are my disciples If you have love for one another, this is pretty clear. Jesus said love one another He was talking to those who follow him. He was talking to his followers his disciples He said the whole world will know who you are with the way you love each other